And uh, one thing that we definitely want to do for um, Brandon and Hannah and Wesley and your other son's name is Edwin. Uh, want to pray for them. And then also just want to share with you that, you know, if, if you're giving to the bridge, then uh, we already made a decision to support their family. Uh, there's still some additional provision uh, that they're praying for. Uh, but uh, we get to partner uh, with them, and then we're already partnering with the Hoxies. So, uh, you know, go home, Google La Paz, Mexico, learn more about that, because we've got really close connections in a different, couple different places in, in the world, uh, but that's, that's a place that we're going to have opportunity to, to really get to know uh, as well. So um, let's go ahead and pray uh, now for uh, all we just heard about. Father, thank you so much that you are always at work and you promise that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Thank you that, uh, God, you are able to do abundantly more than all we could ever ask or imagine. And as we hear things like a church that was birthed last October, having 50-some people and now having 75-ish, it's clear, God, the harvest is plentiful. And you're drawing people to your son, Jesus. We thank you for uh, Brandon and Hannah and Wesley and Edwin. We pray that you would fill them with your spirit and provide for them as they point to your son, Jesus, that he would be glorified. And we thank you for the gift and opportunity it is to partner uh, with this family and to partner with our brothers and sisters in Christ in La Paz, Mexico. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And like Brandon said, he'll be at the table after the service. And then if you want to continue uh, to talk to him, we're going to be blessed. Some of our kids are going to sing uh, and lead us in worship next Sunday. Uh, they have kind of a pizza thing. And I think he may be handing out for a little bit about that too. So we'll, we'll have an overlap after the service um, for opportunities uh, related to that as well. So... Um, Go ahead and open the word. We're going to be in two places today. One is Isaiah 35. The other is Luke chapter 2. And uh, my opening question today is uh, something that I think we think about more than we realize. And sometimes our thoughts about it are subconscious. What do you think of God? And then the second question is, what do you think God thinks of you? And theologians have said that how we answer these two questions does so much in our posture, our thought process, about God. Who is God, really? What are his characteristics? Can he be trusted? Is he untrustworthy? And we have all these examples of other gods, like in Greek mythology, where it seems like sometimes the humans in Greek mythology may have been much more mature than the gods and goddesses in Greek mythology. That they're these Greek mythology gods have these powerful things that they do and they strike down lightning bolts and they get mad and they steal each other's spouses and they curse people. But that is not the God who created the world. 
That is not the God who created you and me. But then we have this sinful nature. We have rebelled against a good God. And I was going to wait and share this tonight. I may share it again tonight, but I heard a joke this week. And normally I don't do jokes a whole lot, but this one's pretty good. Um, so there is a kid who's been taught that, that Christmas is not just about Santa, it's also about Jesus. And that Santa may bring you some things, but Jesus can bring you the things that are more important than anything else. So he's writing a letter to Jesus and saying, Dear Jesus, I would like this and this and this for Christmas this year because I've been good all year long. He stared at all year long. He marked it out and said, For the last six months. He stared at that. Marked it out. For the last six weeks. Stared at that. Stared at the nativity set under the Christmas tree, went and grabbed the Mary figurine and wrote to Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, give me what I want. You have to give the kid props for his sober assessment of how good he was. We tend to think by default that we are really, really pretty good most days. But then when we actually get that in writing and we begin to rewind the clock of the last hour or day or week or month or year, we go, oh, wait a second. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought. So even before we think about what comes to our mind when we think about God, we also need to think about what is really true when we look at ourselves in the mirror. You see, if you think that you are good and bad things happen to you, you will blame God for the bad things that happen to you. Because after all, you're good. But if you realize, oh wait, I am not, and sometimes my effort to be good is not actually to get God. My effort to be good is to get the things that God may have power to give me. And if you're ever wondering, well, I don't really think I do that, how do you react when you don't get what you want? And there's a very good chance that that will determine whether your goal was God's presence or God's stuff. So, we're going to get to meet some shepherds today. And I also was blessed. My wife teaches third grade, and every year on Christmas time, she reads this. uh, It's the best, worst Christmas pageant ever. It's a little book. It's an excellent book about this family called the Herdmans that go in, and they don't know anything about church, but they heard that uh, in Sunday school, they get cookies and Kool-Aid. So they decided to go to church for the cookies and the Kool-Aid. And they come to discover the beauty and mystery of God's love and sending Jesus from an outsider's perspective. 
You know, I shared so many things that we just kind of have, we take for granted. From an outsider's perspective, reading the Christmas story with fresh eyes will transform everything. But in this Christmas pageant, you have a lot of shepherds and oversized dads' robes and all the different things that come with the shepherd stuff. And we tend to think, oh, well, the shepherds were, you know, good people. Now, if you've studied theology or you've heard the last few Christmas stories or Christmas sermons here, you'll discover that actually shepherds did not have a very good reputation when Jesus walked the earth. They were determined uh, to be unclean because there were certain ceremonial washings that the Jews said you must do in order to be able to go to the temple to worship God. And just simply based on their occupation, they were not allowed to do that. But it gets a little deeper. I found a few things I'm going to read. Shepherding had not just lost its widespread appeal around the time of Jesus, it eventually forfeited its social acceptability. Some shepherds earned their poor reputations, but others became victims of a cruel stereotype. Maybe that's happened to you before. The religious leaders maligned the shepherd's good name. These are religious leaders. These are the people who are supposed to represent God here. Rabbis banned pasturing sheep and goats in Israel except on desert plains. The Mishnah, which was the human-made law around the time Jesus lived, that the Jews sometimes followed above the Old Testament law, which is the actual word of God, reflects this prejudice, referring to shepherds in belittling terms. Can I say something about that real quick? Whenever you read something claiming to represent God that belittles another man, woman, boy, or girl that has been created in the image of God, you can take it to the bank. That is not God. One passage describes them as incompetent. Another says, no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. Are you kidding me? This is the Jewish human written law around the time Jesus was born. If a shepherd falls in a pit, don't bother. Don't rescue or save him or her. Jeremiah, which was a documentary back then, documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights. They could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted in court as witnesses because they were seen as untrustworthy and liars. He wrote, to buy wool, milk, or a goat from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. In Jerusalem, in the time of Jesus, Jeremiah notes, the rabbis ask with amazement in view of the despicable nature of shepherds how one can explain why God was called my shepherd in Psalm 23, 1. Guys, the level of hatred 
that the Jew, the common Jew and the religious Jew had for shepherds at this time is off the charts. And I ran across this last night. I mean, I knew they were unacceptable, unclean, bad reputation, but this is like a whole other level. Smug religious leaders maintained a strict caste system at the expense of shepherds and other common folk. Shepherds were officially labeled sinners, a technical term for a class of despised people. And shepherds would know this. You know, if you've done a bad thing or you've come from a bad family or you've got a record, you know it. And you got shepherds hanging out with sheep. But you have some shepherds that would have had some background in Judaism in the Old Testament that would cause them maybe to go, you know, I know what people think of me. But maybe, just maybe, God thinks differently. Perhaps Isaiah 35, perhaps one of these shepherds would have been thinking about Isaiah 35 around the time Jesus is born. Let's see what it says. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. And perhaps the shepherd gets to that part and goes, but not me. The glory of the Lord. I'm not even allowed to go to the temple to worship the Lord. I don't know that I'll ever see the majesty of our God. But then he reads on, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, you ever had an anxious heart before? Be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Some people struggle with this idea of a God coming with vengeance and recompense. Guys, don't struggle with that. Because you know what God comes against? The things that keep you from him. God does not declare war against you. God promises to fight for you. When he comes, he comes to save and deliver and uplift those that have weak hands and feeble knees. Verse five, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. 
The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water and the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk in the way. If the shepherds believe the press, then they're going to believe they're exempt from this. They're not allowed. They're unclean. They don't get to walk along this way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall, be, they shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sign shall flee away. You ever been told something that you believe is too good to be true? Isaiah 35. You really let that go deep down inside your heart and mind and you're going to look for a second and go, I think this may be too good to be true. I don't know if one of the shepherds on that hill outside Bethlehem was reading these verses or not. But I do know this, that inside every single human, there is a God-sized hole that only God can fill. And that they're going to feel that ache. Guys, when you feel that ache, don't try to numb it. Don't try to self-medicate it away. And don't try to run to lesser things to fill it. Recognize, oh, this ache, this hurt, this pain, this sadness, this sorrow, this sickness is actually trying to get me to the only one who can help and heal and save and deliver and restore. And God hears. You know what I love about God? God hears my ache even when I don't tell him about the ache. God hears my pain when actually it is of my own doing and of my own making. He hears. And the cool thing is, this is where I go back to, what do you think about when you think about God? Who do you feel like God is? Because if God is some indifferent taskmaster sitting on a throne going, oh, well, let's just sort of see how it all goes. Human experiment 101 Guys, we don't do that with the people we love. And we are far from perfect. God is perfect. And 1 John tells us God is love. And God is just. And God is holy. And God is other. So what does God do? When God wants to share with the world that the son, his son, the savior, Christ the Lord is born. He doesn't go to the synagogue. He doesn't go to the temple. 
He doesn't go to the politicians. He doesn't go to the people who are the influencers of the day. He goes to the unclean, the scorned, the people who everyone would look down on that may feel like they're out of hope and have no chance of being saved. He goes to them. I heard a a brother in Christ preach on this passage this week. My dad found it first, sent it to me. I've listened to it two or three times. But at a certain point in the message, and it just hit me, it was like, oh, this is happening. It's like, guys, this is how he said it. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who you are, but I'm talking to somebody. Because guys, when you look in the mirror and you go, okay, how good have I been? Let's face it, there's truth in this. Some people really legitimately are better than other people, right? But if you have the experience that little boy did, one year to six months to six weeks to forget it, I'm going to kidnap his mom because I really want what I want. You're going to realize I'm not worthy. And in your unworthiness, here comes the God who plans to make you worthy. Did you hear that? You are unworthy. And God comes to you in your unworthiness to make you worthy. He comes to you in your sickness to make you well. He comes to you in your sadness to give you joy. He comes to you in your pain to be your healing. He comes to you in your despair to be your hope. But not everybody gets it. And this is a very common passage of scripture. Don't let its familiarity rob you of the way that the Holy Spirit wants to awaken mystery and awe and worship in you today. Luke 2, beginning with verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Remember that glory from Isaiah 35? They're seeing it now. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds told him. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, in these moments that we have together, I pray that you would give us eyes to see your son and ears to hear him that you would soften our hearts and that you would remove the obstacles that keep us from having faith in you. And that we would see you as you really are and that we would know you've come to save and deliver and rescue us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. An ordinary day becomes extraordinary here, guys. I don't think that we can get the, the full scope and the full picture of how majestic and powerful this is. Shepherds doing their thing. We already heard what they, people think about them, what maybe they think about themselves. And then poof, or in the words of Gladys Herdman from that book, which is worth reading, Shazam! Here come the angels. Out of nowhere. The glory of of the Lord appears. When an angel appears to anyone in the Bible, and we've seen it in previous weeks, we saw Gabriel appear to Zechariah two weeks ago, we saw Gabriel appear to Mary last week, it's always fear, okay? And the response is fear not. Don't be afraid. This is not for your damnation. This is for your salvation. This is good news for you. You know what I think probably some of the shepherds thought when they heard that? This is good news for you. They may have looked behind them and wondered if like somebody better and more important for them was behind them because some of these guys, some of these girls that are out there on the field are looking and going, It can't be me. There's no way it's me. The word chosen pops up in this book a lot. You know what I've discovered? Satan is going to attack any and everything that is a beautiful truth of God. So even when it comes to like, I don't know, do we choose him? Does he choose us? How do you make sense of free will and predestination? And there's a part of me that just wants to say, yes, he chose you. And because he chose you, now you choose him because that tends to happen, right? You get people in a PE class lined up and the people that are not really very athletic hate this, right? Because there's two pickers on each team. And if you're not very good in the sport, you go, You're sizing it up and you're going, is there anybody worse than me? So just maybe I won't be picked last. Guys, the shepherds from a a societal standpoint 
are, are not even allowed to line up on the line. They got kicked out of the class before it even started, let alone given opportunity to be picked to be on a team. And what's God do? I choose you. Don't get over that, church. You know what happens when you get over that? Resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, gossip, backbiting. God says, I choose you. And one divine meeting, this angel coming to those shepherds changed everything in less than one second. I've said often, and I'll keep repeating it, God can do in one second what we can't do in a hundred years. And in one second, everything for these shepherds is changed. What about you? Well, I go in and out of it. I admit that a lot. And God pursues me. And when God pursues me, it changes me. What is this news that they hear? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Do you remember what I read earlier? If you happen to see a shepherd stuck in a pit, you are under no obligation whatsoever to get him out. Well, God is. He's not under obligation. But his passionate love for us when he sees us in the pit is, I will stop at nothing to get the people that got themselves into a pit out of that pit. I stop at nothing. I will send my son with full knowledge that he actually will go to a cross and he will be put in something much worse than a pit so that we can be delivered and saved and rescued and made whole and healed and be chosen not only as the apple of his eye for his love, but be brought into eternal paradise to be with him forever. He stops at nothing to get us there. A savior has been born to you. God forgive me when I don't think I need a savior. And God forgive you when you don't think you need a savior. What's cool is there's savior, but if it's a human savior, we have limitations, right? There are some things we may be able to save somebody from, but we can't save somebody from everything. This savior is Christ, the Lord, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He knows all. He's everywhere all the time. And he is never, ever going to let us go. And he is always going to save and rescue us. And then this will be the sign to you. 
you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. I, I'm not proud of myself in this, but you guys probably figured this out. I tend to be a talker. And sometimes in my talking, I will think that my many words is actually action. And it's funny because we have elder meetings and staff meetings and dream brainstorm vision casting meetings and these people love me well. And one of the ways they love me well is that was all really good. Now, what are the action steps? And I go, oh yeah, that's right. That's kind of important too. We heard all this. Now then, what are we supposed to do? I am afraid that the church, I'll speak in my context, in America, not just this church, but the church collectively, has got a lot of words. And it's words from a very good book, the best book ever. But there's something on the back wall here, guys. It's from the word. And it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. That hearing the word is supposed to lead to action. So the angel's actually inviting these shepherds to an action step. There's going to be a sign. You're going to find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And thankfully, these shepherds didn't just go, all right, let's start a small group Bible study and talk about when this baby's going to be there. I have nothing against small group Bible studies. In fact, I don't think you are really growing spiritually as well as you're supposed to if you're not a part of one. But if that's where it ends, you're not growing spiritually. You're growing spiritually through action, through living this word out. Guys, remember how the wise men came to Herod and Herod actually consulted all the religious leaders to find out where the Christ child was born and they knew from the Old Testament scriptures, oh, it's gonna be in Bethlehem. And then they sat on their behinds and didn't go to Bethlehem. Man, I don't want to be that. Sometimes I am, but I don't want to be. When you hear news like this, it's supposed to lead to action. Well, the angels can't help it. Did you all catch that? One angel becomes a multitude of angels. It's like one is sort of the trailblazer, and then the other angels are like, all right, our turn, and then they sing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then the angels leave. And the shepherds look at one another. And they say something that I've heard Patrick Mahomes say quite a bit. Let's go. Let's go. We got to go. This has got to be action. Let's go see Guys, do you realize that they're taking a risk in doing this? Y'all remember what society thinks of shepherds and what their reputation is? 
Y'all remember that Shepherd's testimony does not hold up in a court of law. Don't you love God's sense of humor? That God actually taps shepherds, the people who no one's going to believe and can't even testify in the court of law to actually be the first ones to share the greatest news ever. They go with haste. I like that. We, we all love Eddie here, but sometimes we smile when Eddie's moving from place to place because he is always going with haste. That dude just is a power walker. He's just fast. He's just like ready to go. Boom. Shepherds move with haste. They're going. They find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17. And when they saw it, y'all catch that? They made it known. But look, there's like this horrible, in my opinion. Sorry, it sounds like I'm critiquing the Bible. There is an omission between verses 16 and 17, and I want more of the details. And we're going to get them in heaven. But like, what did Mary think? What did Joseph say? What was their opinion? It's like, They went and they saw, and then boom, they go and tell. But I think that Luke does this on purpose, guys, because he wants us to come and see, but then go and tell. That there is this realization of you can't keep this news quiet. They make known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They believed the words. I kind of elevated action over words before, but guys, the words matter also. That faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that matters, and then that leads to action. So they're going and they're sharing with everybody. And it says in verse 19, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Notice it doesn't say believed what the shepherds told them. Wondered at. Guys, with a group this size listening to this here, there are some of you who believe. There are some of you who don't believe. There are some of you who are wondering. The shepherds believe And it leads to action. But then when the shepherds begin to share, for some of them, it's wondering. But then you have Mary, who we heard about last week. What does Mary do? She treasures up all these things and ponders them in her heart. This word for ponder is a continual repetitious thing. She's not letting it go away. She's going to continue to be gripped by the grace of God that she not only was chosen to be saved by the Savior, she was chosen to be the Savior's mom. And it doesn't go away for her. And then in verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard. And sing. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Um, and we're going to do two things here. 
Um, and the Holy Spirit's going to direct this because people have asked me, how do you want this to go? And I'm like, I don't know. I never know until the moment. But here's, we're going to provide two opportunities of response here as we wrap up. And the first opportunity of response is for you to just really ask yourself the question, what do I think God thinks of me? And it became very clear through this message, through the word and through the spirit, what God thinks of you. He will stop at nothing to save you. He has chosen you on December 17th, 2023, to be here in this space to have a divine meeting with the Savior of the world. Now, for some of you, this may be a first time this has ever happened. For others of you, it's like, you know, I just need to confess that I've kind of gotten over it. When I hear God say, I choose you, it doesn't do what I know it's supposed to anymore. And I need that awakening ray of light to grip my heart again and move me to action. Well, you know what the cool thing is? He chose the outcasts, the sinners, the unclean. He said, come see me. So this is a song of response. It's one that we're familiar with as a congregation. It's come just as you are. And I don't know what the Lord is gonna call you to do and what he's gonna tell you to do in this moment, but I am gonna tell you this. He's gonna tell you to do something. He's gonna say something to you and he's gonna tell you to do something. And you're gonna have to decide. Am I gonna be a religious leader? who knows it up here, but isn't gripped down here? Or am I gonna come? Or am I gonna be one of those shepherds who speaks to another one of the shepherds and say, hey, I, I want you to come with me. I want you to hear anew that God has chosen you and this is good news of great joy for all the people. And I'm gonna be honest, and I'm not meaning to set this up, guys, in any way other than I want to not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. God wants to do something in these moments. And sometimes we're the one holding him back. Our unbelief, our stubbornness holds him back. Don't do that. So this space up here is available for people who want to come and pray. You can kneel, you can stand, you can sit, but ask the Lord, how am I supposed to come to the Savior this Christmas season? sadness wherever you've been I come broken hearted let rescue begin I come find your mercy oh sinner come kneel 
Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal.
I'm going to invite you uh, to stand, and we're going to sing this song one more time, and uh, may you come to him with your heart, and, uh, and then we're going to segue into a final song, but I just want to take a few more moments. If there are other people that you feel led to, to go and encourage, if anyone else feels led to come forward, there's nothing special necessarily about coming forward or going to someone else. What's special is if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something and you do it. That's called obedience. And actually that leads to joy and that leads to deliverance and that leads to assurance of salvation and hope. So we're going to sing one more time this song, and then we'll have an opportunity uh, to respond in joy. Come out of the sadness forever you've been. I come broken hearted, let rescue begin. I come find your mercy, oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your Can you hear me? 
Can you hear me? Test. Hello, hello. Okay, all righty. This makes it a little easier. I am not a man of words. <laughs> if you ever see me standing up in front here with a microphone, it's not going to take long. But I hate gray days. This morning was very gray. And we're sitting at home and we're having our coffee. Had my Wheaties and my bran. And uh, watching the clock, getting close to that toggle over time when we got to get ready and you know head on to church. And we got into a little discussion. Well, we're going tonight. You know, maybe we could skip this morning. And uh, so we kind of kicked it back and forth and uh, rationalized and debated and decided we'd stay home and we'd go this evening. But we, uh, we also uh, have generally have a little bit of a devotion time in the morning. And we'll start off with, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, Carol has a little devotional booklet that she pulls up. And then she, she mentions, she says, well, God be mad at us if we don't go this morning. And I'm, I'm pretty flippant at times about that stuff. And I says, no, I don't think he'd be mad. As you think he takes attendance on Sunday morning? I says, as a matter of fact, the only verse that I can even think of is one in there somewhere. I can't pull it up right now. But it says to not to uh, neglect the gathering of the saints. So, I, I says, so that, that's the only thing I can think of. And so she picks up her devotional book and she, she will tell me the verses that are in there and then she'll read this devotion. She says, uh, it's Hebrews 10, uh, 23 and 24 this morning. And so I got my Bible and I opened it up and it says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. <laughs> and I looked at her and I looked at the clock and I says, do you still have time to get ready? <laughs> so here we are. God is real. Believe Amen. Is Amen. Real. Amen. Amen. He is, he is real. And those signs do come. And what Ron just shared and testified to is that action step, right? We hear, and then that step leads to action. And uh, I shared with somebody uh, yesterday during text that um, just was confessing how easy it is sometimes for in church us to become church-centric instead of God-centered and mission-focused. And that it's by default almost that that happens. And I just communicated with him. I said, the, the things that we have going on here in this church for the people that take advantage of it are very, very good. And I think that those people are growing, but I, I just shared with him, I said, but I think it's supposed to be more. And I don't yet fully know what the more is, but I am praying like crazy that 2024 is more. Because there's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people that feel like the unclean sinner shepherd type person. And God loves them just like he loves us and that he has chosen them just like he's chosen us to come and experience this. 
So the cool thing about verse 19 of Luke chapter two is it says that they went back to being shepherds. They didn't enroll in seminary, I I did. I'm not against enrolling in seminary. For some of you, that may be your call. But they went back to their profession. They went back to their family, their friends, their neighborhood. They went back to the profession where society would still not accept them. But they didn't go back the same way. Because it says that they were praising God. That there is a filling of the Holy Spirit that happened that changed everything in that one second when they heard and they believed. So they were prepared to go and tell it on the mountain. And that'll be our final song before the benediction.
fullness of joy in his presence where he bends down to lift us up out of the pit and rescues us, restores us, saves us, makes us new. If God spoke to you in a special way, there's opportunity to respond. You can either fill out this card, drop it in the offering basket, or there's one of those cool QR codes. If you got a smartphone, you wanna do it electronically, that's fine too. 5.45, 5.50 tonight, we get to do this again. Come back, bring somebody with you. Let's receive this benediction. And now God to you, the one, the one who does abundantly more than all we could ever ask or imagine. Thank you for coming to us when we were far away and saving us. Help us to go and tell that great news, that good news of great joy that Jesus saves. Amen. God bless you as you go.